Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine. We invite you to join us as we take a deeper look into the stories and ministries highlighted in Christian Living Magazine. Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight. I'm Sandy Jones, the host of this show and publisher of Christian Living Magazine, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry. This show has been made possible by a generous grant that we received so that we could come to you each week and take a deeper dive into the stories and ministries you'll find in Christian Living Magazine. I am pleased to have Sarah Hill with Chrysalis Women's Transitional Living in studio with me today. I met Sarah nearly two and a half years ago, and her testimony absolutely knocked my socks off. Being the shy wallflower type that I am, I immediately approached her about sharing her story with our readers, which she agreed to and was published in the September-October 2019 edition of Christian Living Magazine. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. You know, it's it's funny because I laugh and say, I'm the shy wallflower type, but you really are. You're very quiet and soft-spoken. And I think that was part of what knocked my socks off was here was this young, quiet lady, and she got up and shared this out-of-the-ballpark testimony. And it impacted me in so many ways. I just reread your story so that it was fresh in my mind for our time together today. And you were just the ultimate overcomer. Yeah. Thanks to Christ. (laughs) He had a big part in that. Yeah. So to set the stage here a little bit, your family attended church together and everything was great until there was a huge shift and your parents divorced when you were 11. And as the oldest of four children, that really had to rock your world. How, How did you cope through those times? Um, well, being the oldest, I would babysit a lot and, um, I loved babies. And so I had my little cousins, they were just teeny tiny. And so I would babysit and it would really kind of put the chaos, um, in the background for me. And it is chaotic. Mm -hmm. It is chaotic. Sadly, um, when my oldest was about that same age, my children went through divorce and, it is chaos. And so I, I get that. We all have different coping mechanisms. But that how, helped for a while. But at 13, you started drinking. Yep. I started to rebel. I started hanging out with some kids that were older than me. And um, yeah, drinking. I drank a lot. I could drink anybody under the table. And it was really scary looking back on it. But it just kind of took over putting that chaos in the background. And um just staying away from home as much as possible. Now, a lot of our listeners are going to ask, how did a 13-year-old get their hands on alcohol? Oh, Yeah, I know. huh? Well, hanging out with older people, you know, and I was hanging out with some people that were old enough to buy alcohol. So um, living in a small, I grew up in Pocatello, and so it's a little bit smaller, and the, the groups are kind of smaller. And so you have a lot of connections that can, you know, help you yeah. with alcohol. Mm-hmm. And it, and it progressed over time because eventually the alcohol wasn't numbing enough. Yeah. So can you, can you share? Would you, would you be willing to share your testimony with our listeners today from that point? Sure. So um, uh, I actually, you know, there were two things that, were, that would feed me um, and, and cover up all of the chaos that I was going through and the confusion and the hurt. And it was alcohol and unhealthy relationships. And I think when I was little, I just wanted to be a mom and be a good wife. And so that was what my my dream was. I'd look at my mom and um, that's what I wanted to be. Because before the divorce, it was it was like leave it to beaver. 
Um, and then after the divorce, it was it was just really chaotic and things were just really crazy. And so um, I think maybe I was trying to, and you know, when, when my parents got divorced, my dad just kind of disappeared. And um, so I think I was trying to find acceptance from a male um, and also just trying to recreate that. I just wanted to have a relationship and, you know, being 13, you have these, you know, daydreams and and things aren't always what they seem. But so I ended up when I was 16, I got pregnant and um, I was happy being a 16 year old. I look back, I see my daughter when she was 16 and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe Um, I thought I knew everything at 16. But um, I was it was like I was going to be able to recreate this family that I had when I was younger recreate that my own family that way and it just didn't work that way you know going into unhealthy relationships um still drinking i had three kids by the time i was 22 three three beautiful boys and i wanted to go out and party i was really confused it was i wanted to be a really good mom but i wanted to do the things that 21 and 22 year olds do it just kind of spiraled out of control to where i was in a really unhealthy relationship i had a toothache and so I, uh, my grandma had died right around that time. And my little boy's um, father was hit and killed by a car. And so I was drinking and had a toothache and I was prescribed some pain medication for my tooth. And it was just like this bliss. I was like, this is perfect. This is a great way to get rid of all the pain and the hurt that I feel. And um, there went my, my addiction with, with pain pills. And that was really bad because... I spent all of my time, all of my money, all of everything went into finding pain pills. If the doctor wouldn't prescribe them to me, I was, you know, trying to buy them from here and there. I was super mom when I had them and when I didn't have them. I was just complete. I was going through withdrawals. I was laying in my bed. I couldn't get out of bed. I was sleeping. My kids really suffered through this. They were really, uh, yeah, they just really suffered. And my mom saw that happening and so luckily she just lived two doors down from me. So the kids had um, a safe place to go. And my mom just came over and talked to me and said, you know, you've got to get on your feet. This has got to change. I don't know what's going on with you, but I'm going to take the kids so you can get on your feet. So what at a, that point. What a gracious gift. Yeah, I know, huh? At that point, I, get, I let her have the kids and I moved out of my apartment because I couldn't afford it anymore. And I didn't know how to get help. I thought I had to do it on my own. I really didn't know anything about any kind of 12-step groups. I didn't know about rehab. I had no idea. And so I was just kind of out there thinking that I had to do it on my own. And being in an unhealthy relationship, I tried meth for the first time when I was 28. Oh my gosh, how scary. Yeah, I, I thought I'd never, ever, ever, ever do that drug. And when I did it, it just... I fell off the face of the earth. Nobody, I didn't, nobody knew where I was unless they looked on the roster of the jail, Ada County Jail, and they'd see my picture there. My mom would know I was alive. And I just spiraled out of control. It took my soul. And I couldn't believe that I was actually at that point in my life. And I don't even remember the first four months of my use, but I just kind of went in and out of sobriety for, for 10 years in between the time I was 28 till I was 38. I got my first felony in 2006, and I um, went into drug court, loved drug court. I learned a lot about myself. It was the hardest thing that I ever completed. But the, the spiritual side 
um, and finding God and all of that kind of was in the background. Um, so when I got out of drug court, I relapsed again, um, totally lost my my children's trust. And um, I think that was harder on them the second time than it was when I first started. And so it just kind of kept going. You know, I'd go into rehab, I'd come out and just in and out of sobriety. And by the time it was 2014, and I had just decided I had gotten another charge and I just decided I went on the run and I felt like this is it. This is, I am tired of getting, trying to get sober. I can't do it. I'm tired of letting my kids down. And so this is my fate. This is what I'm going to, I'm just going to die on the streets of my drug addiction. And, um, and that's, I guess what I'm, I just, I'm tired of trying. You had completely given up on yourself. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Well, it was kind of a good thing because, um, you know, and let me kind of back up a little bit. In 2006, when I went to jail for my first felony, I started going to church services um, in the jail and I started praying, going to Bible studies with the girls in the jail. And I, I felt something. And so I think that was the beginning of my, my walk with Christ, but it took a long time for it to um grow into what it is today. I it when I had went on the run and I was in this house all by myself and I was kind of talking to God in my head. I don't know if it was I was talking to him or I was just talking to myself, but I was reaching out for for something and I sat down and I said, you know, God, you got to help me out of this cuz I can't do it on my own. The only way I'm going to get out of this is be, from some divine intervention. And I was listening to this um secular playlist on my Spotify um, music list that I had made. And I'm sure somehow, some way, I had put this song on there, but God's timing is perfect. And so I was jamming out to my tunes, and then this song comes on, and I'm like, what, this, what is this song? What is and I started listening, and it was the leads, it was Mercy Me. And I'm like, I've never heard this song. And I just felt like this heavy blanket of the Holy Spirit pushing me down onto the couch. And I just knew I had to listen to the song. And it said, I pray you have the heart to fight because you're more than what's hurting you tonight. You were made for so much more than this. And I knew that I knew that I knew that that was God reaching out to me. I knew, I I'd thought I'd heard him many times before, but I just shrugged it off as it not being him, but I knew that it was him. And so then here I am, I'm running from the law. God just spoke to me and I'm like, now what do I do? And I just felt this feeling inside where he said, get up and get out. That's all you have to do. It's very simple. So I was like, okay, well, that's pretty easy. Okay, get up and get out. So I called a sober friend and um, they picked me up and took me to their house and I slept for five days and then I went and turned myself into the jail. And I've been sober ever since. That had to be a really scary call, call to turn yourself into the jail. Yeah, <laughs> it was. But um, it was freedom at the same time. Yeah, freeing, very freeing. Yeah, because nobody was looking for you anymore. They knew where you were. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you've been sober ever since. So in your article, if I remember right, you at that point, you got a writer. Yes. So, because I really don't know, and this is not the first time I've heard that phrase. What is a writer? Well, so what they do is 
they sentence you to your time, which um, you're in district court. So when they sentence you to your time, like I was sentenced to three plus seven. Uh, But what they did was they retained jurisdiction. So they sentenced me to the state of Idaho to this time. But then the judge retains jurisdiction and he sends me on a county rider. It's kind of like they send me on a rider. It's out at the prison, but it's all programming. And um, it's usually like a six month long rider where you're not just sitting there doing time. You're you're doing um, cognitive self change. You're doing uh, mental recognition therapy and uh, just different just programming. It's a um, second chance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you. I, got, I thought about that the other day. I, thought, I don't know what that means. Yeah. So if, if you when you're done with your rider, you go in front of the judge. And if you've done a good rider. Then they release you out onto probation. But if you, they call it flop your rider, uh, then you go to do your time. So it's just this one chance to be able to, you know, help yourself. To take that get out of jail free card. Yeah. No pun intended. Sorry. <laughs> um, so so when you when you got out, you, you, you passed, you did your work and you passed and you got out. And where did you go? Okay. So let me back up a little bit on that too, because... When I first uh, went into drug court, I was living at the homeless shelter and I'd heard about this place called Chrysalis. And so it was right down the road. So I walked down there and um, I met with Marsha, the director. This, it was a lovely the, lady. I, I love Marsha. Anyway. <laughs> I love her too. I love her too. And she interviewed me and she accepted, accepted me into the program. And so um, that, was, that was in 2007. And I didn't make it through chrysalis. Um, I just wasn't ready. There was a relationship involved. Um, And I had tried going to chrysalis. I went to chrysalis three different times before going to prison. But I always left because, number one, either a relationship or a relapse. And um, But they still loved me. They never made me feel ashamed or um, like I wasn't worthy. And so I would still even, I felt drawn to chrysalis even before I went on my rider, I would go in and sit there. And I remember going in there one day and Marsha was just like holding my face and saying, when are you going to be ready? When are you going to be ready? We're here for you. We're here for you whenever you're ready. And so I knew when I went to prison, that was where I was going to go. And so I put in my application and of course they accepted me back with open arms. And so that was a relief knowing that I had a safe place to go when I got out, which is kind of a, a scary thing for women when they come out. They don't, a lot of people just go back to the chaos that they came from. Mm-hmm. Yep. A lot of, a lot of, I hear that a lot that back to the same crowds, the same people and got, that has to change. So, but what a blessing that Chrysalis welcomed you back in and i can see marsh i can just see marsha doing that welcoming you back in they were loving and gracious and you know a true um example of god's unconditional love um and and sometimes you know especially after divorce and bad relationships it's really hard to picture and and really grasp what that unconditional love really looks like right you know people abandon us every time we turn around and to think that there is a God that loves us regardless. And mm-hmm. if we trip and we fall, he's going to be there when we get back up. And he's going to reach out the hand and help us up. And, and I love that example that Marsha and her team at Chrysalis give. Because really, addiction's hard. And it's not something people choose. Right. It, it's called addiction because it's an addict. You're at it. You're addicted to it. So, so you talked earlier about your mom 
um, when this all first started, your mom said, you know, I'm going to take the kids and let you get back on your feet. What's your relationship with your like with your mom like now? It's amazing. Uh, you know, I think that moms and daughters kind of have a rough go at things sometimes through different phases of growing up. And uh, but now we just I just love my mom so much and I'm so grateful for her. And we just have a wonderful relationship. It's it's amazing. And we can co-parent, I guess is what you would call it. The, the the kids and just they're loved and yeah my mom's an angel <laughs> I love that so in in that September October issue of 2019 um, our our editor Gay did a little mini interview with your mom and sh- from sharing from her perspective and I just love that she never gave up on you she never even when it sounded like you gave up on yourself your mom was always your cheerleader Mm-hmm. And I loved, I loved that. She always believed in you. So tell us um, a little bit more about Chrysalis, who qualifies for their assistance. What's the program like? Does it cost? So it's an 18-month-long program, a faith-based, Christ-centered program. Uh, we usually, most women are coming out of incarceration, jail or prison. Some people are coming out of homelessness or um, from a rehab And um, when they first come into the program, they are in our day program for the first 30 days with our program coordinator, Stephanie Schultz. She's amazing. Um, And so they're with her Monday through Thursday, 830 to 2.30. Uh, They go through the Book of Mark. They just get this foundation because some of them don't even know anything about the Lord. And um, and then they they get things going, like get their Social Security card or their driver's license or whatever it is that they need to do. And um, they have women come in from different churches and they pray with them or they they do a little class with them or bring Bibles. So um, and then after they're done with the 30 day program, they are in our our courage to change program, which they have classes all, all throughout the program. They have classes Wednesday and Sunday nights at the office. They We have two houses right now. We're getting ready to um, open another one in July. We might we might add too that today you work for Chrysalis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People are going. How, how did she go from being there to we? So yeah, anyway, I know. So, huh? you, you, so what is your title at Chrysalis? I'm the resident affairs coordinator and Marsha's assistant. Awesome. So I get the blessing of getting all of the applications and um, interviewing the women to see if they're appropriate for the program. And normally, you know, the one thing they don't have to be a Christian; they just have to be open to learning about. Christ and um, lifestyle changes with him involved in that. And the only thing that really is concerning is if is the mental health. We have to make sure that we're capable of taking being able to help them. We want we don't want to hinder them more than, you know, mm-hmm. so that's the only thing that we really have to really look at. And but, you know, mental health, mental illness goes along with 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 drug addiction. So I know that personally. So <laughs> but yeah. So is there a cost? So the first month, there's no program fee. Um, and then after that, they pay 350 a month. for, And that's for their programming and for their, their bed. And mo- ma- mainly it's so that they can uh, have some kind of responsibility. Um, s- some of us, we never paid rent before. We were homeless and we just, we don't even know what a life skill is. We don't know what a boundary is. We don't know what good credit looks like. And so... Um, yeah, so they just uh, yeah, it's three hundred and fifty. After that, we're nonprofit, so we are um, we love our 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 donors and we love our volunteers. We have women that come in and coach the women through their program. Uh, so we are always looking for coaches as well. 
That's awesome. So if someone wants to become involved, either as a participant or as a volunteer, where can they get more information? Go to our website. It's chrysaliswomenidaho.org. For people that want to get help, there's a a thing that says get help, and um, they can click on that, and it'll have a link to our pre-application. Just fill that out and send it into us or bring it into the office. And then there's also a part that says um, get involved, and you can click on that and if you want to be a volunteer, we have a little questionnaire on there that asks what your what your what are your gifts, what what is it that you would like to do, um, and then that gets turned into our uh, volunteer coordinator Gail Kirkland, and she will get a hold of you. And you also have a prayer team. So for our listeners who aren't able to physically come and help, you you can also sign up to be a part of that prayer team. I noticed when I was yes. when I was surfing your website earlier this week. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's, and that's a viable part of any ministry that's is to the have most that prayer thing. support. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so some of the things too, on your website, I noticed you can donate, volunteer, bring a meal. I never mm-hmm. thought about that. It's so much fun. You know, bring a meal, join the prayer team, help with an event and their events are listed on their website. I know COVID's kind of changed that, but we're starting to come out of that a little bit. Yeah. And, and so do you have anything else you need, you'd like to add that we missed that we didn't cover? Oh, man, just chrysalis, chrysalis, chrysalis. That's all I can say. I mean, it was my nice place where uh, that I could become the woman that I am today. I don't know what I would have done without chrysalis and without Marsha and all of the women there that volunteer. And you are an amazing young woman. I love it. I love it. This brings our time to an end this week. If you'd like to read Sarah's story, you can still do so by going on our website, christianlivingmag.com, and go to our Past Issues tab. Scroll down to our September-October 2019 edition. Sarah, thank you again for joining me today. God bless you for everything you do for so many in our community. Thank you. Same to you. Oh, thanks. Folks, we invite you back next week when we have a special guest in store for you. I know I say that every week, but I mean it. Someone, I'm sure, who will encourage you with hope and inspiration. Until next time, God bless. This has been Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine, where it's our desire to deliver faith, hope, encouragement, and perhaps a new perspective about God's love to our listeners and readers as we showcase the hands and feet of Christ at work in our community and beyond. For more information on today's program, the magazine itself, or to subscribe, go to www.christianlivingmag.com or search Christian Living Magazine on Facebook for an uplifting start to each day. Christian Living Magazine is free to pick up in over 600 locations throughout the Treasure and Magic Valleys and in Central Idaho through McCall. Our mailing address is Christian Living Magazine, P.O. Box 867, Meridian, Idaho, 83680. Or you can email us at christianlivingmag at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week.